Newtown Radioactive number 90 for Monday, December 18th, 2017. On this episode of Nuketown Radioactive, I celebrate Nuketown's reignition, meet Bob the Seeing Eye Puppy, talk about my evolution into a geek who loves the outdoors, and ruminate on three games I'm playing now Destiny 2, Skyrim Special Edition, and Delta Green. Newtown Radioactive. I'm your host, Ken Newquist. It's been a few months since the last podcast, but that's okay because I've been hard at work on the new Nuketown. It is, in fact, actually live. That's right, folks. After months of working on Nuketown, I finally migrated it from Drupal 7 to WordPress, and wow, it feels fantastic to have this project finally completed and to be posting new content to the website. It's been a huge and long road to get to this point. There was a lot of content editing that needed to be done. There was a lot of new content that needed to be created. And frankly, there was a lot of benign neglect that had to be overcome as far as Nuketown is concerned. There are certain pages like the Endless Dungeons page or the Mac RPG page that, you know, in the back of my head, oh yeah, well, you know, I worked on those a few months ago. No, no, no. I worked on those a few years ago and they had lots of broken links and they had just, just lots of stuff wrong with them that needed to be fixed. So the site is live. It's running under WordPress. You can actually make comments. I can actually approve comments. I don't need to be inundated with tremendous amounts of spam that Drupal was unable to easily prevent from getting posted to the website. And generally speaking, I mean, the site is in a pretty good shape. Now I say that, and it's true, but the flip side is that when you do a major content migration like this and you go from one content management system to another, stuff is going to break. There were a lot a lot of links that broke on Nuketown. Now I've gone through and edited all the content and all the internal links should be fine, but there's still a lot of stuff that was out there on the internet that was linking to Nuketown and many of those links broke. So for the most popular things, I've set up redirects that go to the new pages, but for other stuff, I just kind of had to write it off as the cost of moving to a new system. As a result, Nuketown's traffic has tanked somewhat as you know the, the links that used to work don't. But it's starting to rebound, and more importantly, I'm having fun posting content, and really, that's that's really the most critical thing. From the very beginning, Newtown was about experimentation and my love of writing and just getting stuff out there. And if I have to take a hit in terms of content, you know, falling off of the internet, that's that's okay. It'll come back. I mean, I'm here for the long game or I'd like to be here for the long game, and moving to WordPress really made that possible. One of the things I wanted to do with the new Nuketown was focus a little bit more on projects, just you know, different ways of pushing myself, experimenting with different things that might be painting miniatures, that might be teaching my kids how to program, and it might be, as was the case in December, just writing more. So there was this project over at Tales from a GM, which is a gaming blog called December 2017. And the idea here was, is that you blog about dice for 12 days. Now this is a very esoteric topic. 
people are passionate about their dice if they play role-playing games. If they don't play role-playing games, perhaps a little bit less. But for me, it was a fun opportunity to kind of really stretch my new capabilities as far as Nuketown is concerned. Play around with taking some pictures of dice, which here's the thing, guys. It's actually really hard to take pictures of dice, or at least to take pictures of dice well. I think I did a decent enough job, but, you know, you'll have to let me know. So anyway, I blogged about dice for 12 days, posting new photos, posting a quick little write-up, and it was awesome. It was really fun to get back into sort of the blogging mindset of writing and get something out frequently and not stressing super much about the content itself. You know, obviously I spent some time editing and thinking through the photos and what have you, but the idea that I could just get up in the morning, think about what the topic was, take some photos, write a quick little blurb, get it up to the website. It was great. It proved exactly what I was trying to accomplish, which was I need to be able to make content creation easy, and the new site certainly supports that. So it's not all about geeky stuff at the thermonuclear berg. We have a new puppy in the house as well. Uh, we're raising Bob, who is a seeing-eye puppy. He's a male German Shepherd. We got him about two weeks ago, I guess. He's So he's, he's probably around nine weeks old. He is super cute. When we got him, he looked just like a little bowling ball covered in fur. So far, he just he just had this little belly that was just so big. He's now kind of thinned out a little bit and um, is starting to assert himself and his personality is coming to the fore. He's really super sweet. He's very smart. And he has a heck of a sniffer. I mean, this puppy, you know, he can smell things so well. And if he even knows that you're, you know, if he can even begin to sense that you're getting food out. He's just like, hey, how's it going? Can I hang out with you? Would you give me some food? So that's going to be the fun project for the coming year. We still have Hank, who's our lab golden retriever mix, who we also got from the seeing eye. Uh, he will be going back on January 22nd to get his physical and to undergo his actual advanced seeing eye training. So we're looking forward to him going back and hopefully, you know, achieving his destiny, as it were. This is about the time where people usually ask me if it's hard to give up the puppies. And I've talked about this before in the previous podcasts. It is most definitely hard to give up the puppies and send them off to do great things. But that is what makes it worth it, right? So you, you spend a year with this puppy, you have all these fantastic experiences. And at the end, if everything works out, they're actually going to go out and help people. And they're going to experience a huge wide open world. And that's, that's really cool. Plus we do have Bob. So while we'll miss Hank, Bob will be sure to keep us really busy in the coming months. Like many geeks, I used to pride myself on how little time I spent outside. You know, when I was younger, say teenager, twenties, what have you, if a weekend passed where I was able to spend the entire time Inside, in my game room, playing D&D, board games, and hanging out with my friends, I would have considered that a tremendous win. And honestly, at 46, I would still consider that to be an accomplishment, but for different reasons. Mostly because now, it would be almost impossible for me to spend a weekend doing nothing but playing board games and role-playing games and what have you, outside of a game convention. My wife, Sue, was always really the outdoors person in the family. She used to work for Backpacker Magazine, she used to go on week-long hikes to uh, various destinations, both for work and for leisure with her friends. And she was the veteran outdoors woman. She knew everything. And me, well, you know, this was a great opportunity to hang out at home, read books, and play video games, right? Why would you want to go outside? That said, 
I've changed over the years. My day job in web development keeps me in front of technology every day, which is fun, but occasionally I need a break. Now, as folks who've been visiting Newtown for a long time know, every summer I spend time at Lake Champlain, hanging out with our friends who have a cabin on one of the islands on Lake Champlain. And basically I just spend time reading books, hanging out with the family, and swimming in the lake, and, and hiking around the island, and that sort of thing. And the funny thing is, is it's, it's really made me appreciate the outdoors. The first time we went, when our son was about two and a half, I'll have to admit I was a little bit skeptical. You know, no indoor plumbing, uh, no light, no power. Are you kidding me? But I've really come to appreciate it over the years. And the funny thing is, is that now that my son's in Boy Scouts, I'm spending even more time outside and I'm liking it even more. There's a there's a whole new set of skills to be learned. And let's be frank, what, what geek doesn't enjoy learning new things? It's what our fictional heroes do all the time, right? So things like knot tying, things like the proper way to set up a tent, the proper way to position your tent, you know, solving the challenge of how to prevent your gear from getting wet, how to stay warm, you know, how to cook food over a fire, how to cook food over a grill. Um, just, there's so many different interesting challenges that make your brain work in ways that my day job simply does not, that playing RPGs and games does not. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to stop playing RPGs, I'm going to stop playing board games, I'm just going to stop working in web development, but at some point you get to this, this place where you want to try new things, you just really need to keep exercising your brain, and being in the outdoors, going hiking, camping, it really accomplishes that. And here's the thing, guys. I mean, it's everything that my Dungeons & Dragons characters have been doing for years, although admittedly with less monsters. Uh, think of it as applied geekery, right? Like, if you think about it, you sit down and, and you watch The Lord of the Rings, that's what they're doing, right? They're hiking to Morador. They're surviving in the elements. They're, there's all of these challenges that, as geeks, we really appreciate. We just don't actually want to go out into the outdoors and do it. And what I'm saying is, is that maybe you should. It's good to get away from it all for a few days, to listen to the wind, to watch the stars, to read my new Dungeons & Dragons source book or a science fiction novel by flashlight. What, you, you didn't really think I was going to leave my geeky stuff behind, did you? Uh, there are interesting challenges when it comes to technology, too, right? So I don't, I don't leave my cell phone behind, and I don't leave my Apple Watch behind. But these things are only good for the first day, right? So, you know, on the second or third day of the camp out, you either have to have conserved power or you need to have tools for recharging, and that's what I'm evaluating right now. I really need to find some battery packs that I can use to recharge my watch and my phone for day two and three, so I can mostly just keep in contact if I need to do something in emergency. I will say that I'm not lying there. I really try to avoid using my technology while I'm out in the field. If I'm out, I'll have my phone with me, but I try to avoid checking it. I let folks know that I'm not going to be checking my phone, and uh, I try to avoid actually playing with it because you know it's it's partially make, making sure that I'm actually focusing on what I'm doing with the kids and my son. But it's also you need that disconnect. You need to spend a few days away from technology, just kind of reset yourself. All this having been said, there is one essential piece of technology that I do bring with me above and beyond my watch and my phone, which is my Kindle. Uh, I will read paperbacks if I have to, but, you know, when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning fumbling for a flashlight and then trying to hold it while not freezing is uh, is a bit of a challenge. So having the Kindle and just powering it on, reading a few pages and going back to sleep has been really fantastic. Now, I'm not saying that camping and hiking is for everyone. I know it's not. It, hell, a couple of years ago, it wasn't for me. But 
I recommend trying it. You just might surprise yourself. I've been able to get in some gaming over the last couple of months. Not a lot, but definitely some. The first thing that's been in my queue on the PlayStation 4 has been Destiny 2. This is a first-person shooter from the maker of, of Halo, and it really just feels an awful lot like an oversized Halo. I didn't actually play the original Destiny because it got such mediocre reviews, and frankly, I just didn't have the time for it. But Destiny 2 was getting better reviews and, generally speaking, good word of mouth, so I've been working at finding time to play the game with friends, and I will say I haven't actually accomplished it yet. Finding that time is really hard, and some might say that it's too hard and that perhaps I'm doing too much, and they're probably right. But for now, I've been focusing on getting through the single-player campaign and getting to a place where I can actually try the multiplayer stuff. I will say that having played this game, it really, really, really makes me wish that Borderlands 3 was out, but unfortunately, that is a game for another day. Another game I've been playing is Skyrim Special Edition, which I actually got for Christmas last year, but only just started playing recently. My daughter has played the heck out of this game and really loved it, and, well, I actually played the heck out of this game too on Xbox 360. I got through the basic campaign, I played through it with two different characters, which one was a like a fightery ranger sniper type and the other one was a straight up mage so i wasn't over eager to get back into skyrim but i gotta say they just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in it's got enhanced graphics which is nice and it has all of the uh skyrim dlc all the additional content that they made available so those are pretty attractive reasons to come back to Skyrim, especially because I never really got into the DLC. I started playing some of it, but then my Xbox 360 started getting flaky and crashing all the time. So I just, I never got to play it. So now I, I am. I'm playing the uh, Dragonborn expansion and exploring the island of Solstheim, which is very cool. I love how it's got these interesting little story hooks that tie into things like lost knowledge and a variant dragonborn and that sort of stuff and it's cool for me because although i played through the main campaign twice i've never played this content so it still feels new and fresh i'm also trying out the survival mode but i'm not having nearly as much fun with it as i did in fallout 4 it introduces concepts like heat and cold so this being Skyrim, there's places up near the north side of the map that are Arctic, and then you've got the more temperate southern regions, and in theory, that should be a lot of fun. Like, you should be trying to figure out how to keep yourself warm, and finding food that can warm yourself up, and armor that can keep you warm, but I don't know, as a resource mechanic, it just, it's not really grabbing me in the same way that food and thirst and disease really played into Fallout 4 and even just the inventory. Like in Fallout 4, you had to be very careful about managing your inventory because you can only carry so much stuff. That's also true in Skyrim, but I don't know. There's just, there's just something different about Skyrim that's just nearly not as much engaging. It's just Fallout 4, I enjoyed the suffering. <laughs> I enjoyed the challenge of creeping through the landscape, trying to get to the next save point. Now, Maybe that's it. Skyrim does not have that mechanic where you can only save when you sleep. You can save whenever you want, which takes a little something away. But I don't know. I think Skyrim was probably just meant to be played in its normal mode. And, and adding on survival really didn't do that much for me. So for now, I've switched back to regular mode. I'm enjoying the expansion. And, you know, inevitably I'm going to buy a house and start organizing books. But uh, <laughs> I am having fun with it. So the last game I want to talk about is Delta Green. Now, long-time aficionados of Call of Cthulhu may remember Delta Green as this modern conspiracy meets the Cthulhu mythos role-playing game supplement for the original Call of Cthulhu RPG. 
I loved Delta Green as a Call of Cthulhu game. It had some of the most fun Cthulhu scenarios I've ever played in and that I've ever run. And I was very eager to see this be de basically developed as its own role-playing game. They are using the same D100 mechanics that you see in Call of Cthulhu, and they have the same sort of basic setup as Call of Cthulhu. You're investigating threats that man and woman was not meant to know. But they've added some interesting quirks to it. So there's these things called bonds, which basically are ways to preserve your sanity. So in a normal Call of Cthulhu game, you see the unspeakable horror. It drives you insane, your character dies, and you roll up a new character. Delta Green is really meant to be more of an ongoing campaign, but how do you do that? You're still going up against these terrible secrets, these terrible monsters, and you're inevitably going to, to go insane. Well, bonds help you with that. So the idea is, is that, like we do in the real world, you have bonds like loved ones, your ex-wife, your current wife, your uh, children, your best friend, your employer, what have you. There's these different things that kind of anchor you and provide you with context for your life. Well, in Delta Green, those are the phrase that begin, those are the bonds that begin to fray, right? So you meet this unspeakable horror and it causes you to weaken the bonds with all these other people in your life. And that's how you stay sane. It's an interesting sort of mechanic. I played it at uh, Mapacon Fall 2017 and I enjoyed it. I mean, we didn't get to play out the actual impacts of those bonds kind of fraying because that's the sort of thing that would come up in a campaign instead of a one-shot, but you could see the potential of how that game might progress over time. I mean, let, let's be clear here. You're, you're still going to go insane. Um, you're still going to go and face these unstoppable horrors. And if you're lucky, you might prevent them from you know invading the world for a little bit of time, but that's always been the goal of Delta Green. The difference now is it's like you could actually run a five-game campaign and explore some different kinds of stories that happen when you're not going to die at the end of the scenario or you're not going to go bonkers at the end of the scenario. It's, uh, it's an interesting concept. Now, I backed the Delta Green Kickstarter a couple of years ago when it first came out. And I will say the folks behind it um, have been working steadfast on releasing content and delivering on their promises. They released the original player's handbook. Unfortunately, <laughs> I backed the case officer's guide, which is going to be this really awesome book that has all of the game master information, the kind of the campaign information, plus the player's guide. But it's taking forever for them to actually get this together. I think right now they're planning on shipping it sometime in 2018. I actually have the PDF that has the, the, uh, the case officer's guide. So I have something. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to the physical book showing up. But unfortunately, it's probably going to be a couple more months before that happens. That'll do it for this episode of Nuketown Radioactive. As always, audio and text comments are welcome. You can send them to me at nuketown at gmail.com, or you can surf over to the website and post a comment on these show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter. The handle is NuketownSF. And on Facebook, where the handle is also NuketownSF.